Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick from Rugen from Neo4j, and tonight I have a very long overdue guest on this uh, podcast episode. Uh, someone that I've been dying to talk to actually for quite some time because he's done so, such an amazing job in, uh, in the Neo4j community over the past couple of years, and that's my colleague Will Lyon. Hi Will. Hi Rick. Hey, so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for bringing me on. Fantastic. Well, you know, uh, I think lots of people will probably know your name because of your uh, infamous and famous uh, projects, I would say. Uh, but maybe you can introduce yourself first and then we'll talk about those projects a little bit later. What do you think? Sure, yeah. So, hi, everyone. Um, my name is Will Lyon. I work on the developer relations team at Near4j. Um, Developer Relations covers a lot of different things at, at Neo4j, um, things like building integrations with other, other tools to make sure you can use Neo4j with different web frameworks or move data uh, to other systems. Uh, but then we also spend a lot of time with users, helping them be successful building applications with Neo4j, uh, go around to conferences and, and talk with our users, uh, give trainings, uh, write on online content and, and that kind of stuff. Absolutely, and, and and there's so much content out there, right? I mean, on the new community side, there's so many great uh, great things already there, aren't there? Right, absolutely. Yeah, so you, you highlight the new community site, which we launched um, a few months ago. And the idea there was to bring a lot of the conversations that were happening on our, on our Slack group or on Stack Overflow that maybe weren't quite the right way to, to surface um, technical content to answer folks' questions, uh, things like that. And the idea in the community site is, is to sort of have that content for everyone to see. You can search through it. People can share interesting projects they're working on. Uh, we also built a really cool activity feed uh, on, on the top of the community site that surfaces interesting projects from GitHub that are related to Neo4j that the community is working on. Uh, we surface interesting blog posts that the communities recently uh, wrote and there's sort of a, a rating system there. So things that folks find interesting and, and are new float to the top uh, and that kind of thing. And all of the, the content for that, by the way, when you load community.neofj.com and you see those activity feeds, all that's coming directly from a Neo4j instance. Uh, we call it the community graph. So this is uh, some tooling that my colleague Mark Needham uh, has, has written mostly. And what Community Graph does, there, there are some AWS Lambda functions that are continuously pulling in data from GitHub, from uh, the Meetup API, from Twitter. And we pull that in so that we can see what the community is, uh, is working on related to Neo4j. And then we sort of rank those in our activity feeds so we can I show them. That. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we, at, at Developer Relations team, we really like to, to dog food Neo4j and, and building yeah, new yeah. services. Hey, but we, we were going to talk a little bit about you. We, you know, what, 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 how did you get into Neo4j in the first place? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So the first time I did anything with Neo4j, this was several years ago, um, I was at a hackathon and we needed a project to build uh, for the weekend. And I think I had just 
just seen an article about Neo4j and, and that it was good for building personalized recommendations. And so I thought, well, that sounds like fun. Let's let's build some sort of recommendation app in, in the hackathon. Uh, and so we we connected to GitHub and, and pulled in some GitHub data and we built a project recommendation. So you would, would sort of sign into it with your GitHub account and it would look at your history of projects you've worked on and then do a simple collaborative filtering recommendation query to, to suggest projects. So that was, um, your that, first, was, uh, that was your first experience? That was, yeah. Um, we went. I went from knowing absolutely nothing about uh, Neo4j uh, to getting that working in, uh, I think it was a one-day hackathon. And, and we, we ended up winning the hackathon, uh, by the way, which, which was kind of fun. <laughs> well done. Hey, hey, well, but recently, you know, you've been working on some really cool projects, right? I mean, I've I've been reading all your work around the, the Grand Stack and GraphQL, and you know, what, what can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. So, one thing that that I'm really passionate about um, is that I think it should be as easy as possible to build full stack applications on top of Neo4j. And um, and lately, there's been this technology called GraphQL, which is sort of a, a way of building API applications. So the, the piece of the application that sits in between the client that, that talks to the database. And GraphQL has been really amazing because it, it makes it really, really easy to build these API applications and then also easy for the client to sort of build full stack web applications on top of that. And so we've been working on a GraphQL integration with Neo4j. So what we do is we allow you to define your GraphQL schema. So every, every GraphQL service starts with these sort of type definitions where you're saying this is the data that should be available um, in this API. And we use that to drive the data model in Neo4j. So what that allows us to do then is to essentially translate GraphQL to Cypher, and we can then spin up a full CRUD API in GraphQL uh, backed by Neo4j, driven just from these type definitions. So it's it's really, really easy to get started and, and then build an application on top of that. But what is really neat is we go one step beyond that and we expose Cypher through GraphQL. So as you're defining your type definitions as you're building out the, the schema for this API, you can annotate any of the fields or, or the types with a Cypher query. And that defines sort of a computed field in your schema. So it allows you to have much more complex functionality in your GraphQL API than what you can define with just GraphQL itself. So things like aggregations or projections or any of the complex graph traversals that you can do in Cypher. That's and so awesome. we've, yeah, yeah. So we, we, we've packaged up this GraphQL integration into what we call GrandStack, which Ooh. is GraphQL, React, Apollo, Neo4j database. And really the idea there is just showing a sort of a, a full stack integration of how the pieces fit together. So that it's really easy to get started building these full stack applications with Neo4j. Great. And I've heard you talk about, you know, making Neo4j like the, the primary database a lot, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of people out there that use Neo4j as a niche database, I think, you know, as a secondary database connected to something else. 
you really you're really passionate about you know making it the first the primary database right right absolutely yeah that, that, that's a good sort of um, summarization of, of what we're trying to do with GrandStack um, and I think that you can really see some of the benefits of using Neo4j with GraphQL because these sort of complex nested queries typically that, that translate really well to a graph traversal in, in Neo4j. And as, as GraphQL is becoming, uh, becoming more common tooling, more and more people are starting out wanting to use GraphQL for new applications. So, uh, so we think that if you're starting a new application, if you know you're going to be using GraphQL, then Neo4j is, is a great fit. Um, and we've built, I think, some, some really nice tooling for, uh, for making Neo4j sort of the first database that you choose for a new project. So maybe I can ask you a cheeky question there. And I've actually asked this question to lots of people on the podcast, you know, why? <laughs> why do you think that uh, Neo4j would be such a good fit for, uh, for being the primary database, you know, and, and well, you know, lo lots of whys underneath that, right? Uh, why why, why did, you, did you get into that in the first place almost, you know? Could you, could you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I, I think, um, and, and this goes back to the sort of my first example where I talked about using Neo4j at, at the hackathon. Um, I think that a lot of folks can be kind of intimidated by the concept of a graph database because it's it's new to a lot of folks. But when you get down to it, I mean, if if I'm able to build a GitHub recommendation application using Neo4j in, in one day, not knowing anything about graphs or, or, or Neo4j or Cypher, I think that speaks a lot to sort of the intuitiveness of, of graph databases. Um, if, you, if you're able to open your mind, I guess, a little bit and, and be willing to sort of get started with something that uh, might be a bit different from other databases that you've worked with, I think you can, uh, you can really go quite far with building applications uh, with Neo4j and graph databases, because really, the, the graph data model, and, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure your listeners have, have heard this before, but the graph data model really is quite intuitive. Uh, you know, a graph is how we think of data. When we go to uh, to map out some domain, we, we draw a graph. We draw uh, nodes that are the entities and relationships that connect them, because that's how we think of the data. And if we bring that data model along to the database. Uh, the way that we store and query the data, um, there's there's a lot of intuitiveness that, that goes along in, in helping us build applications. And especially if you think of full stack developers, they have data in the client and, and then they also have to worry about uh, building out the data model in the database. And if there's less of a mismatch there on how they think and work with data on the client and how they actually uh, store that in the database, they're going to end up being a lot more productive. So those are some of the issues that, it, that I think Neo4j addresses really quite well. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I ask people the same question and there is a pattern there, right? <laughs> There's a lot of people that, uh, that, 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 that find the model, basically the data model, extremely attractive to, uh, to agile development, I suppose. Um, you know, it's really, really quite powerful. So, so right. let's talk a little bit about the future, uh, Will. You know, wh 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 where is this going, and where is your 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 work taking you? I know that you've been really active in things like data journalism in the past. You know, but 
where, where, where do you think this is going in the, in the future? Sure. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm planning to continue working on our, our GraphQL integration. Um, we have some, some features that we'd like to build out there, things like uh, an authorization layer to make it easier to add uh, authentication and authorization to your GrandStack applications. Um, so we, we have some thoughts there. Um, as you mentioned, the, the journalism program, uh, I've been, been working on that for a bit. The idea there is to provide some technical resources to data journalists that are looking at using Neo4j for trying to answer some of the questions of, of this interesting data uh, that they have. So an, an example of, of a project that I worked on through that program was with uh, NBC News uh, earlier this year, where we were looking at Russian Twitter troll data uh, that um, that Twitter had uh, had released, and, and sort of seeing how these Russian trolls were trying to influence elections around the world. Um, and NBC News ended up releasing that as a public data set, so we uh, we took that and, and brought that into Neo4j Sandbox, so that anyone can can sort of explore that data. So go, going forward, for for me, I, I think um, just making sure that we have great tooling for being able to, for users to build full stack applications with Neo4j. Um, but then also you mentioned uh, things like the data journalism program. And, and what I really like are any of these projects that we work on, uh, if we can encourage folks to make these data sets public, uh, I think that's really not only a great learning opportunity uh, for folks coming to graphs in Neo4j, but also for, for sort of sharing this data um, and, and being able to make an impact from analyzing this data. Helping the world make sense of data, right? That's what we want to do. Exactly, exactly. That's what it all comes down to. That's what it all comes down to. Will, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us here and uh, talking to me and to our listeners. It's been a great, uh, great pleasure. And uh, you know, we'll put uh, put some links to uh, to the stuff that we talked about on the, the transcription of the podcast. And then uh, hopefully people can uh, can find their way around and potentially meet you at one of the future conferences, right? Sounds great. Thank you so much, Will. All right, thanks for having me, Rick. <laughs>